welcome to the Diagnostics Dialogues. Here we present discussions with experts in diagnostics and specialty medicine, designed to keep you up to date with the hottest clinical topics. Tune in to hear Dr. Damien, aka Pat Alasia, Senior Medical Director for Quest Diagnostics, interview a variety of medical luminaries to get their take on some of the complex challenges faced by hospitals and health systems. Welcome to Diagnostic Dialogues from Quest Diagnostics, where we discuss great ideas and challenging issues impacting patient care within integrated delivery systems. I'm your host, Dr. Pat Alaja, and we have the privilege today to be talking to my good friend and colleague, Dr. Yuri Fesco, about his work in designing and implementing clinical care pathways in oncology. Oncology, as you all know, is a fast-moving intellectually challenging and highly complex multidisciplinary field that requires an agile mind, an intense commitment to patient care, science, and medicine, and a deeply compassionate physician. Fortunately for us, Dr. Fesco is such a physician who represents not only the best in medicine, but certainly the best of Quest. Dr. Fesco, I appreciate you being here today. Would you just take a moment and introduce yourself to the audience and give us a little bit of your background, your pedigree, where you trained, what you're doing, and certainly what you're, you're doing at Quest. Absolutely. I'm Yuri Fesco. I am the executive director for medical affairs at Quest. I'm a medical oncologist by training. I trained at Case Western Reserve University, did my fellowship at University Hospitals of Cleveland, went to Duke after completing my fellowship and was the chief for community oncology for Wake County, the Raleigh-Durham market for Duke University Health System. Came to Quest now approaching four years ago. Initially came in as the medical director for oncology, moved up to become the senior medical director for oncology, and recently have taken over uh, medical affairs. But my passion has always been trying to help oncology truly achieve the dream of precision medicine, but really being able to do it in the community. So tell me a little bit about the work you're doing with these clinical care pathways. I mean, it's a buzzword that a lot of people talk about, but what are you doing? Why is this important? Who should be thinking about this within the health system world? And also, how should they be implemented? Clinical care pathways, in a nutshell, are making sure that a patient with a solid tumor, we'll focus on lung and colon cancer, has the appropriate testing for their stage of disease. Increasingly, late stage cancers, lung cancer, colon cancer, the molecular profile of the patient is incredibly important to determine whether or not a particular medication should be used, chemotherapy medication. There are also markers that need to be performed to figure out whether or not a patient should have an immunologic therapy used to help treat their cancer and to provide the best outcomes for the patient. That sounds very easy, but it requires a number of steps to be taken from the time that the biopsy or the resection is done to get that back for the first oncology visit so that the oncologist can do what they do best, which is recommend a different chemotherapy regimen depending on the molecular, the immunologic profile of the patient, and look at the patient 
not just their molecular profile, but all their comorbidities, their socioeconomic statuses, all the different things that are gonna go into weighing what is the best treatment for my patient. There is no one answer, but they need all the information to help make that decision. That's a great lead into my next question. We talk about care, we talk about science, we talk about the community you know, of our colleagues. These are all very high-minded ideas. You, know, you clearly understand that, but help me get anchored in that first patient visit. And I want you to do it through the lens of what's it like for that patient to come in to a health system where they have a clinical care pathway in place into a health system where a clinical care pathway is not in place. Could you discuss that, please? So the ideal scenario is I'm your doctor and I, I'm seeing you for the first time and you've been diagnosed with colorectal cancer and it's, it's a late stage colorectal cancer. We've, you know, maybe we've taken part of the mass out so that the person doesn't have an obstruction. My job as your oncologist is to sort of talk you through hey, unfortunately found that you have late stage, we have, you have metastatic colon cancer. This is not gonna be a disease that we can cure. The surgery has not cured it, but I'm gonna to talk to you about all the different options that are available and say to you, you know, your tumor is um, microsatellite, unstable. Uh, it's got certain characteristics. I'm gonna recommend a couple of different medications to you. I really believe this is the best option for you based upon the different mutations that I've looked at. And you know, I'm gonna to talk to you about the side effect profile of the medications, what the response rate's likely to look like, what you can expect from therapy, et cetera. I'm also going to be working with, I'm not gonna be telling necessarily the patient this, but I'm gonna be working with the payers to make sure that they understand why I've recommended the regimen that I've recommended, that it is a guideline-based recommendation, and that I have the data to support my recommendation. If it's not a pathway, what can happen is at that first visit, I meet the patient and I say, you know, I've looked at your staging studies. Unfortunately, it looks like you have evidence of spread beyond the original disease. This is not going to be a disease that that surgery is going to have cured. We are going to need to do additional therapy. We've sent off some additional laboratory testing, which we're waiting on. It could be another two to three weeks before that comes back. Um, I can't really tell you exactly what chemotherapy we're going to do. I can talk to you about the stage of your disease. The difficulty with that is there is nothing worse than being told that you have an incurable cancer and I don't have a plan for you. I don't know what our next step is going to be. This is an incredibly anxiety provoking time. When I meet with a patient, they want to know that I've got control over the situation, that you know, I've thought about their case, that they come in and they're the only person in the world that I care about at that moment is them worrying about all this laboratory testing that I've sent off to five or six different labs and I don't all have it back is a nightmare. As an oncologist, a lot of times there can be criticism that the oncologist picked a chemotherapy that wasn't targeted because they didn't have all the mutational profiles back. They did that because there is nothing in the world worse than saying to a patient, I'm not sure what we're gonna treat you with. Hang on, it'll be another two weeks go home, dwell on the fact that you have metastatic colon rectal cancer, 
and come back in two weeks and we'll talk about what we're going to do. That is totally unpalatable. You know, I wish I could count the number of times you mentioned care in that last response, because again, it's the care for the patient that makes a difference here. And what I'm hearing is, as an oncologist, if you have a clinical care pathway in place, you're able to engage that patient at that first visit with everything in front of you. You know what the molecular type looks like. You know what the PET scan looks like. You know everything about you know, the patient. And again, you're able to design a treatment plan for them and really give them and their family the hope that they need to progress, move forward. Without the clinical care pathway, all that is disaggregated information that you know, puts you in a bind, and I think most importantly, puts the patient in a bind and impacts your ability to care. Is that the correct way to see it? That's correct. The biggest appreciation I've had since coming to Quest is how much work behind the scenes needs to be done to line those dots up so that that first visit runs the way that we described it. There's a lot of work that has to go on behind the scenes, and that's really what the care path is about. It appears, Dr. Fesco, that information allows you to more effectively care for that patient. If that's the case, why should the CEOs and the CMOs and the executives in the C-suite embrace this line of thinking? Is it new? Is it novel? Is it complicated to do? If you need the information, why is this important to our health system colleagues to think about this? Because there's a lot of components to get to the answers. It's no longer just diagnose the patient with colorectal cancer. My pathologist can tell you that you know the lymph nodes are positive or negative. Now there's much more to the story. The pathologist has to basically come to the answers of, hey, did we do a, a PDL1 stain? Did we do a tumor mutational burden? Did we do KRAS testing? Did we do all these different mutations that are necessary to get to that answer, the way to get there is complicated. It requires a conductor of the orchestra to sort of make sure that we know the DNA requirement, we know what kind of tissue sample we have, we have some idea of the staging, and that we can get this off in a very quick manner so that in seven to 10 days, we have the answers back for that first oncology visit all of that's got to be happening in the background before the patient even sees the oncology department. Otherwise, when they go to the oncology department, the first visit is a mess. And then the C-suite hears about it and says, hey, look, you know, what's going on with our oncology? The patients are really dissatisfied with their first visit. You know, is it the doctor? No, it's not the doctor. It's we haven't lined all the information up to make sure that that first visit goes well so the oncologist can do their job and do it correctly. Absolutely brilliant. I appreciate that. Yuri, prior to coming to Quest, our experience with laboratory medicine and with pathologists was basically predicated on looking at the report, calling them, maybe getting a little information, and that was about it. Uh, you know, you as an oncologist, me as a gynecologic surgeon, you know, we've both been at Quest now for a while. What's changed in terms of your view of your colleagues? I mean, you know, I'm highly dependent on these colleagues. I'm, you know, we're both amazed at their brilliance. So what's changed in your thinking about how best to interact with our laboratory and colleagues and pathology colleagues? So there was a saying when I was a fellow that you're only as good as your pathology and oncology. 
And it's what my change in view is. I really appreciate that now is that, and it's even more complicated than that. It used to be, we want to make sure that the patient has the right diagnosis. You know, they have colorectal cancer. These are the lymph nodes. Now I need help to make sure that my pathology colleagues have helped my surgical colleagues, my radiologic colleagues understand what's going to be necessary from the biopsy, what's going to be necessary from the resection. Can we have some idea of the staging before they come to see me? Can they think about what drugs I may be considering at this line in treatment and make sure that the testing that they are ordering or that we share the decision-making in ordering that we're on the same page. It can no longer, I think, be, listen, when they come to the oncology clinic, let the oncologist order whatever they want in terms of panels, et cetera, because the problem is that day one visit just turns into, into basically, I can't tell you what I'm going to do. We've all got to be on the same page. That's why I sort of say the analogy of a conductor of the orchestra, we need some sort of navigation system to get our pathology and our laboratory folks all on the same page, thinking with our oncology folks to make sure that all the pieces line up and we're able to get to an answer so that the oncologist job on that day one visit, which I have to say is one of the hardest visits you will ever have, it's just that slightly bit easier for the oncologist and the patient is able to be the center of the universe for that visit. I'd also you know, like to point out that, you know, I always thought the oncologists were the top, top of the class, the smartest people in the class. And now I have to give that nod to the pathologist. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed and really inspired by the brilliance of our colleagues at Quest. You know, their deep and wide expertise that supports certainly the areas in women's health, but also in oncology at a molecular level, and at a molecular level that most oncologists don't have time to study and truly appreciate. And I think that's the beauty of you as an oncologist working very closely with our pathologists and laboratorians in developing these um, clinical care pathways. Oncology changes very, very rapidly. How do you do these clinical care pathways keep up? Who curates them? Because I don't want to be trying to offer cutting edge treatment with an algorithm or with a pathway that's three years old. How do you keep up? Who curates these? So we have a number of disease specific physician groups who are led by our Ameripath luminaries, who their job is to sort of keep up to date with what are the cutting edge changes that are happening? What are they hearing from their oncology colleagues about what's happening now, what's coming, reviewing things like NCCN guidelines to sort of understand what are the molecular mutations that need to be performed. And their jobs are really to listen. They're to listen, to curate the information of what am I hearing? What are the pain points? Yes, this new marker has come into mainstream, but it has this nuance to it that we hadn't thought about in terms of the processing of samples, et cetera, or the specimen need requires this slight change, or there's this disconnect between, hey, it's a, it's a marker, but you know the oncologist thinks in a drug, I need to connect the dots here. That's what they do. 
And then they work with myself, they work with my colleagues like Dr. Cruzel to help to put it into the pathway and keep it up to date. And the pathway, I wanna make sure, Pat, you understand that it is more than just the marker. It's also thinking about making sure that we understand what are the pitfalls to get to that answer. So that it's not just that we have the marker, but it's also, what is the specimen gonna look like? What are the pitfalls that we've learned from all of our different colleagues around the country to try to continue to build a better mousetrap? What you're talking about is all the work that goes into effectively treating that patient. It's a high impact visit, but the convergence of science that allows you to care is what these clinical care pathways are all about. So along those lines, do you think this work the work that you are leading at Quest makes a difference? And why do you think it makes a difference? I think it makes a difference. The reason um, we worked with the health system, we started uh, over a year ago with them. And when we came in, the first meeting right prior to COVID was talking about grievances that the oncologist had with the way that pathology sort of came back and the pathologists were there, the lab partners were there, and we all had different voices. It has been a journey. It's been probably a 14 or 15 month journey, but the feedback from doing this, from all of us working together, from basically having the collaborative calls where there's a steering committee of all the different folks on it has been, wow. The markers are coming back. Our first visits are so much better. When we want to put a patient on clinical trial, you guys have thought about the stewardship of the tissue. There's tissue left over. If it needs to go off for additional molecular testing, it's ready. You have, you've, this has been a satisfier. This has not been a dissatisfier. That is incredibly rewarding. And the other thing that was really powerful from this was our oncology folks and our pathology folks said, this is the first time that we've really felt like we're a team together to get to the answers. And we are in the room talking with each other and problem solving. I think it's made, the big difference that I see here is, again, the health system I referenced in a community setting. It is not an incredibly large academic institution where every asset known to man comes together. These are institutions where they have really good people. They have a lot of knowledge. They have a lot of expertise, but resources are not infinite. We needed to work together as a team to say, we have the components to be successful here. We just need to put them together in a new way to get to the answer. Um, that's very sometimes easy to do at a large institution. You've got duplication, triplication of all these different assets. As you move away from major, major, huge medical centers, the ability to have all those assets, it's not as easy. But those patients are no less important. They're newly diagnosed. I'm trying to make it so that your care, whether you are in New York City, you're in Los Angeles, you are in Roanoke, Virginia, they're all the same. There are not discrepancies in your care. There are not differences in your care. That has to be our ultimate goal with precision medicine is to make sure that we don't have a two-tier medical system. Everybody gets the same. So you do think you're making a difference, which is great because I, I believe that you're making a difference. And I believe that the colleagues that we work with feel the same. 
what I'm hearing is that these clinical care pathways allow you to focus more effectively on the care of the patient, which really begins with that first visit, correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay, great. Dr. Fesco, this is terrific. I want to get your closing thoughts on this. What are the three things, or you can say one or two or three things, that you uh, want to share with healthcare executives and folks who are in the C-suite or all of us who are compassionate, caring healthcare professionals? What do you want us to remember from the discussion today? The first is to realize that oncology care is complicated, not impossible, it's complicated. It's ever evolving. It's important to get it right is the second thing. One, because it provides us a roadmap to do this in other areas of medicine where the findings that we have in oncology are the way that we do you know, everything from clinical research where we look at molecular profiles, that's gonna show up in multiple areas of care. That's gonna show up in neurology, it's gonna show up in cardiology, et cetera. This provides a roadmap of how to do it and how to do it well. I guess the second point would be to sort of say, yes, it's complicated. No, it's not impossible but it's gonna take a team to get you there. The idea that you're gonna have a box that's just, you're just gonna open up and it's gonna give you every answer known to man. I'd love to see it. I hope my son, when he graduates medical school in his career sees it, but right now it takes a team to get you to the answers. Particularly, no patient's identical. There are lots of different variables that need to be thought of to get to those answers. Otherwise, 30% of the time, you're just not going to get enough of a, an answer for that first visit. And the third point I'd like to make sure that people understand is that pre-work, that homework that we do here, sets your oncology colleagues up for success. You can't build a great cancer center on a shaky foundation. If the first visit doesn't go well, you don't know the markers, we're already off to a bad patient encounter, it's difficult to recover from that. Investing upfront makes for a much more successful future. And those are the things I'd like people to take away. So just to summarize, it's complicated, but not impossible. It requires a lot of interdisciplinary teamwork. And the most important part of this is let's make sure that the patient is at the center of this because they deserve our best. So Dr. Fesco, the other day I was on a, a call with a health system and talking to a number of their pathologists. And the issue came up of genetic testing, genetic profiling, and they were asking about clinical utility of these massive genetic profiles that a lot of these uh, organizations are offering. And wondering, what the clinical utility of those massive profiles can be. We, I don't want to go in and talk about the different companies, but I'm talking about the clinical utility of doing a massive genetic panel on somebody with a colon cancer or a lung cancer or a prostate cancer breast versus the value of doing what may seem to be more practical and prudent. The way I've approached it is there are markers that are known that, you know, whether you go to the NCCN guidelines, et cetera, 
that need to be done to figure out what needs to be done in the standard of care setting. A larger panel has its roles, whether it's Quest or any of these other companies, we have large gene panels that are available, but they need to be done in the context of a patient who is going to use the information. And a lot of those patients are patients that are gonna go on clinical trial because they are looking for novel markers that basically connect the patient to a clinical trial. The difficulty I've sort of had with offering that upfront right at the time of diagnosis is you really don't know until you meet that patient whether or not they're going to consider a clinical trial. I can tell you many times that I have encouraged patients to go on a clinical trial and for whatever reason, they're just it's not going to happen. They don't want to be on a clinical trial or they don't meet the criteria to be on a clinical trial. And you've done this huge gene panel, which you use five analytes from. It doesn't make sense. An ideal scenario is to sort of say, okay, Dr. Elagia has explained to me what standard of care is. I understand what the response rates are going to be, et cetera. And he's also explained to me that there's a consideration that I could do an extended gene panel to consider these kind of clinical trials. I need to make that decision as a patient to be empowered to make that decision of whether I want to do that. Our job as a pathology organization, as a laboratory organization, is to empower that, to make it so that the moment that that patient says, yes, I want to consider it, that I've already thought about all the steps that are going to be necessary to basically bring them back and say, yes, this is what your extended panel looks like. I think you qualify for XYZ trial. Absolutely. You make that decision. Let's go for it. But I do believe that as a physician, I am responsible to explain to the patient why it's important to go on a clinical trial, what I'm going to do with the information that's provided to me. And I, I, you have a responsibility to sort of see if the patient's even interested in doing that before you go off and assume that they're going to want to join a clinical trial and they don't. That's where those large gene panels come into play. That's very helpful. And it helps me build context for developing those deep trusting relationships that we all have with those patients. Well, with that, Dr. Fesco, again, wanted to thank you for your compassion, your care, your intellect, your leadership in this area of clinical care pathways. You clearly do represent the best of Quest. And for the audience, I want to thank you all for your time and your attention. And with that, I'm Dr. Patalaja signing off for Diagnostic Dialogues at Quest. Thanks again. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the Diagnostic Dialogues. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on your favorite podcast apps and follow us on LinkedIn for more cutting edge content and to engage with the physician guests from the program. Be sure to visit our site, questdialogues.com. Until next time.